Denver, Denver, I'm from Denver, 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 I'm from Welcome to the Denver Diatribe, a weekly podcast of news, culture, and stuff as it pertains to Denver, Colorado, the most contentious city between Conifer and Concourse B at DIA. Uh, listeners at home, uh, we are recording live from the Bug Theater for the After Act Comedy Festival. That is an extraordinary... That is a lot of noise for a, an audience that's actually slightly smaller than what, how many people we have when we record in private. Uh, I am Ron Doyle. Joining me today is my co-host, Vanessa Martinez. Good morning, Vanessa. Uh, good morning, Ron. Uh, back in the control room, our co-host, Jared jakang Mayer is having a three-way with a mixing board and a laptop. Come out and wave to the good people, Jared. There he is. All right. And this week... Screw Denver News. This is Laugh Track Comedy Festival, Denver's only comedy festival. So we're taking a step away from local headlines to referee the ultimate comedy smackdown. We have three filmmakers and four stand-up comedians debating the 21st century mediums that can make them famous. Uh, first up, filmmakers. How many of you in the audience uh, are today are filmmakers? Okay, film lovers. Who here has seen a movie? Okay, good. Uh, who's heard of a little thing called YouTube? Good. Well, you've come to the right place because round one of today's, today's debate is all about films. It's YouTube versus film festivals. So let's get started with our guests. This Colorado Springs native is a co-owner of Denver's RMO Films, producers of the locally-based web series Rocky Mountain Oysters, a laugh track or funnier die selection. In addition to his satirical video-making endeavors, he is also a musician and underwriting manager for KGNU Community Radio. Please welcome Wally Wallace. Thank you. Our next guest is a writer and director from New York. His short, Foodie, won the Award of Excellence at Best Shorts Competition, an Award of Merit from the Accolade Competition, and the Audience Award at the Iron Mule Comedy Film Festival. His current project is a feature film entitled Norman Penske Come Home and is under development at Slew Pictures. Please welcome Aaron Rudelson. Hi, Denver. Did I, did I get your name right, Aaron, your last name? Is it Rudelson? Rudelson, Ruddleson, whichever you prefer. Wait, which do you prefer? Ruddleson. Rud oh, God damn it. Ruddleson. All right. Our third guest is Denver's irreverent master of ceremonies. He has emceed countless events around the city, including his own stage shows, the Underground, Underground Music Festival, Denver's International Film Festival, and many more. He serves as Admiral of the Mems Brothers and is the star of The Honey Cooler, currently in post-production with Denver-based Gaylord Street Films. Please welcome Mr. Sid Pink. I, I, did, I did not include the honey cooler in the bio I sent you. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, thanks, though. <laughs> All right. Well, let's get started. I just want to start off and, and ask, uh, you know, I've, I've talked to a few of you beforehand. Uh, I want to get into it. What do you think, film festivals or YouTube? Wally, I'm going to start with you. All right. Well, uh, I've only been to a couple film festivals, and that... And that and I, I would normally go YouTube, but I actually have had a blast at the Laugh Track Comedy Festival, which is half film. Uh, the other night at the bowling contest we had, I had the greatest bowling game of my life with 110. 
Whoa. Blew it uh, away. 110 bowling. Yes. So That's you true. like film festivals because they have bowling. I, I do now. Okay. All right. <laughs> Excellent. Sid, how about you? What, what, what direction are you leaning? Uh, bowling? I'm, I suck at bowling. Okay. All right. I get winded packing my cigarettes. <laughs> bowling sounds like fitness to me. Yeah. How I'm, about, I'm how, out. How about YouTube versus film festivals? Oh, um, you know, <laughs> both are for dorks, for sure. Um, so, uh, you know, I fit in both pretty well. I think that the amount of uh, socially transmittable diseases you can pick up through YouTube is pretty low. Oh, that's a bonus. That's a bonus. We always like um, when we don't get diseases. <laughs> it is possible. Um, I, I would say that, uh, and this is, I guess this is kind of a wuss stance to take. I, I think it's tough to debate this because you can, you can curate so many things through a YouTube or Vimeo or other site like that where you can sort of narrow what you would want to do. But I think the, I would come down on the side of film festival if you're like want to be surprised by something. I mean, obviously you can troll YouTube and sort of like, ah, oh, shit, and I found something. But film festivals are sort of like you're going to meet people like human beings and you never know, might end up getting a job out of it or, you know, uh, yeah, right. find someone to partner you, with. Aaron, Aaron, do you think that we've, – we've already talked a little bit, Aaron. Aaron, you say you're firm, firmly on the side of film festivals. Why is that? Uh, well, because nothing beats a live audience, um, particularly with comedy, um, because, you, you know, you can screen a film uh, over the Internet and, you, you know, it can be seen by millions of people, but you have no idea what they think of it. You know, you don't, you don't know if they're laughing in the right place. You don't know um, if they're laughing at all. So uh, there's just nothing that beats that sort of visceral uh, experience of, uh, you know, having your film uh, in front of a live audience. So you think the film festival is, is beneficial because people can actually get a reaction out of it. You can hear the reaction right away. You get to hear what they're doing. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah. So you don't read your comments when you post something on the So yeah. Well, yeah, that's a question. Do you have a YouTube channel? D just a quick poll. You YouTube channel, Aaron? Uh, I, I do, but I mostly use Vimeo. You, okay, well, uh, well, we'll get into Vimeo later. I realize this is not a Vimeo. The, the uh, Vimeo latest shall come out. I use both. Okay, hey, how about you, Sid? You have a YouTube channel, yes? I use both also. Okay, yeah, how about you, Wally? Yeah, we definitely have a YouTube. Okay. Uh, and you're saying whenever you're on YouTube, you can't tell just by the number of views if a video is successful or not, if it's going well. Well, I mean, I think you can measure success. Uh, it's just measured differently. But what, I, what I'm saying is that when you sit in, in a theater with a group of people, well, there's two things that happen. One, you know, laughter is infectious. So, you know, your film is... <laughs> oh, he's right. <laughs> there it is. Yes? <laughs> See, I mean, here's my, here's my point. I faked um, that. I totally faked it. Uh, so I, I have a question really works. quick, Ron. Sorry, girls, you're not the only ones. Um, yeah, what, what's up, Vanessa? Uh, so I, I have a question. Do you guys think that YouTube is uh, a gateway to film festivals? Do you consider, I mean, is, is there any relevance kind of using it to, I guess, enhance your profile? Definitely not. And, and I say that because most film festivals will disqualify your film if you've screened on YouTube. But, but Will, do you, don't you think that film festival, uh, when folks are judging, the judges are deciding on what films are going to be featured, they are taking a look at what you're doing in social media, what you're doing on YouTube and Vimeo, and they're looking at that and saying, okay, this, 
this particular director has an audience, and they have popularity, they have clout, and we should select them. Don't you think it, has, it creates a bias for the people that are selecting the films for film festivals? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you got it easy. All right. Well, Wally, I, um, I, I'm sorry. How, how about I, I think it yeah, does. I think I think the the opposite. I, I know about the screening rule, but I think that's more for longer films or a lot of. But you know, something like this where it's what what people want is just good content. It sort of doesn't matter, you know, what, whether it's been screened previously or lived on the internet for a year or something. I think it could. Every time that the Mims brothers have been approached to include something in. You know something similar to this. It's because someone saw it online. It's not. So I would say it absolutely works. To that that presence definitely works back through the value chain or whatever to make to to give you a live screening opportunity. Wally, how about you? Have a web series. You have you have webisodes. So yes. so you probably have been discovered this exact same way. Is that correct? Yeah. Well. And actually, I'd like to say, I, I, I actually am more on the side of YouTube than film festivals. I just particularly have just, had see, fun this See, this is why festival. we didn't make you choose beforehand, because I knew somebody was going to flop and flip and, and No, flop. no, I was saying that I would, like, I, I was just oh, saying okay, that the Oh, it's okay, Mitt Don't, don't worry about festival. it. You're fine. <laughs> Keep going. No, I'm sorry. T- tell, um, me, tell me what you want to say about YouTube. I, I, I think that YouTube is great, like, just personally, because... Uh, as somebody that's like moved several times the past few years, it's like a great way for me to release my films to people everywhere, like all over the world. Um, I feel that a lot more people see our videos through YouTube than through festivals. Like we've been to, we've been to some festivals where there's a lot of people, and we've been to some where like there's like five people in the audience, and it's mm-hmm. like in an hour on YouTube we can get like 30 views like easily. Um, so I, I think it's a lot better like actually getting out there and actually. We usually pay to go to film festivals, and we've made a whopping ten dollars this year on YouTube. So, yeah, raking in the dough. Dollar dollar bills, y'all. All right, nice. All right, so yeah, what that's another. What are you another doing, point. slumming it here, pulling that kind of coin? <laughs> I ask myself that every day. Yeah. Well, thank, thanks for uh, being here with us. I mean, that is a question. How much? How much does cost come into a factor as far as deciding between whether you're going to put your film out? on YouTube versus putting your film out uh, at a film festival? Because you do. There, there's usually a cost involved in doing one versus the other. Um, how do you decide? Uh, Aaron, I'll go to you because uh, you are on the side of film festivals, but this is kind of a, a, something that works against you as a filmmaker is that it costs money to get into film festivals. Yeah, it's, it's definitely true. Um, I mean, to be honest, I, uh, I actually spent more money applying to film festivals than I spent actually making the film. Wow. <laughs> it's true. Okay. It's yeah. true. Interesting. Um, wow. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, it, it's it's tough if you can't if you can't if you can't afford to do it, then you know then YouTube is a great second choice. I mean, I I think look, I I'm not against YouTube. I, I think it's a, an amazing uh, medium, just because you can you know you can get your film in front of you know potentially millions of people if you're lucky. But uh, I think it's it's a much more exciting thing to be. In a, in a room full of people that are watching film, that's that's why my preference is. So, when I'm done screening in film festivals, then yes, I'll I'll, I'll put it on YouTube and, and hopefully I'll get a couple of hits. Maybe I can even make ten bucks. 
<laughs> uh, do you think there's a because the, there's a difference here, right, between the the series? It seems like when you're making a, a series, something like the Growlix or Rocky Mountain Oysters, um, that definitely you know you can, might be able to screen one of those at a film festival in the short section. Um, but is is it? It seems like it would be YouTube is just the medium, the channel to do a series for. I mean, really, film festivals, how do they play into that? For, well, for me, it's kind of both. Like, with, with Rocky Mountain Oysters in particular, we, we kind of found this event at the same time that's kind of like a monthly... It's not, I wouldn't call it a film festival, but it's a monthly, like, screening event. Open screen night. Last Tuesdays of the month, every month. <laughs> where, where, where? It's at the Oriental Theater, where uh, Laugh Track will be this evening. So, um, and actually, we're over there filming right now for a 48-hour film festival that we're working on through the guys that I do the web series with. Uh, uh, where do you get your crystal meth? Also, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I can't yeah, share I that over the air. Yeah, I'm, I'm, whatever. <laughs> Just tell, stop by the Oriental tonight. Oh, I will. <laughs> no, if I gave, if I made you break it down, instead of saying YouTube, if I said funny or died, if we're talking strictly comedy films, uh, which would you say is more important to success? Uh, being online on someone something like funnyordie.com or being in a film festival. We're talking strictly comedy, not just film festivals in general. Which has the best potential for success? Uh, Funny or Die or, or film festivals? I'd, I'd say probably Funny or Die just because in my experience, most film festivals I've been to are less focused on comedy. Sid? I just, what, how are we gauging success? Meaning you get your money back? Or well, well, what, do you, what do you consider success? Yeah, you get your money back, you get noticed, you get known, you have enough oh. money to make more films. Um, <laughs> I don't see either of those as ever having a return. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't. Uh, so it seems like, I mean... We've made series too, not at the volume these guys have, but to that point of sort of, you know, a, a film festival isn't ever going to really serve a series, um, whereas the web really does. And so something like Funny or Die is a great portal for that, and maybe your hope is like, oh, Adult Swim, you know, somebody's going to hire you to develop something that's already on there. So I think based on that, I would say the web or, you know, distinct destination portals infinitely more than film festivals even if it's one-off sketches or whatever because someone's like oh yeah i saw that thing i loved it It was funny but probably someone isn't going to say oh i saw one of your sketches or short films or whatever at one festival and call you up and offer you a job to make a tv series or something like that right okay aaron um you know to be honest I, i really don't know the answer um it's a tough question because uh, this is really kind of a brave new world that we're living in, and it's un- it's untested. It's it's just starting to really play itself out. Um, I-, I still feel like it. You know, it depends on what your goal is. If your goal is to, you know, uh, in in my situation, to raise money for uh, a feature film, I think you want to try to get your film into um, in front of you know people who uh, raise money, people who produce film, people who have access to capital. Um, and are interested in investing that sort of thing. And again, you know, I go back to my earlier point, which is that if you uh, if you screen your film in front of a large audience, and there's somebody in there that can actually help you with your project, um, they're going to see an audience full of people laughing. Whereas, you know, it's just a, a you know, it's just a number, you know, it's just a, a, a tally of of hits on online. So I, I feel like it's a different thing. I'm not sure how effective it, it is. I. I think that that's very true, that uh, 
it is a great way to meet other people that are like in the film industry. But in like our case, like we did like a Kickstarter a couple weeks ago, and that's uh, where we raised like the most money that we raised, other than like out of our own pockets. And the main way that we did that was through letting people know about us through web presence. And like really getting people to know that we were on YouTube, we they could go and check out a trailer for our video on YouTube, and then if they wanted to, they could kickstart our project. I'm I'm interested. Do you think that, that people would do it with if you didn't have a web presence? Could you even? I, I mean, how would Kickstarter? Have you seen any examples of where people were, uh, you know, making a film for a festival exclusively and kickstarting it and and actually raising all the money for that? And they couldn't show the film to the people that they're trying to get the money from. Yeah, well, I, I definitely think so. And But at the same time, I think Kickstarter is also kind of like a weird medium as well because you have to create a video for it. So right. in a way, it's kind of like its own YouTube sort of system where you are creating an online video for people to check out. Um, but I do think... I think that the more people know about your project, the more likely they are to want to support it. And so if there is something they can look at online easily, like anywhere in the world, I think they're more likely to support you financially at least. Okay. It's, it's decision time. We've got to wrap up. I need, I'm going to go around the table and I'm going to ask you if you only had one channel. That you could only choose one. You can't use any. Remember, it's 2012. It's 21st century, this brave new world that Aaron referred to. If you could only choose one channel to, to put your films out on, what would it be? Aaron, I'm going to start with you. One channel? One channel of, of delivery. So it could be film festivals, it could be YouTube, it okay. could be Funny or Die, it could be Vimeo. Just pick one. Film festival. Okay. Vimeo. I'd probably say YouTube. All right. Well, there you go, ladies and gentlemen. It is decided. <laughs> you heard it here first. These three filmmakers have committed themselves for the rest of their lives to those three channels. And wait, I'm very wait, wait, wait. What are you saying? What are you saying? <laughs> Look for me right. at a film festival. I, I just want to thank all of our guests. Uh, Aaron, give us a quick plug. What do you, where, you want to see it? where do you want us to see you next? If somebody can find you online, since we are a podcast and people are going to be listening to this online, uh, where can go, they find you? Go to uh, uh, Foodie Film, Facebook Foodie Film. Facebook.com forward slash Foodie Film. Sid, where can they find you online? TheMimsBrothers.com. And Wally, where can they find you? Uh, they can either find us at RockyMTNOysters.com or Tokeasy.com. All right. Well, thanks again. Let's give a big round of applause for our filmmakers. Thank you for having Thank us. Thank you. Uh, listeners at home, uh, we're going to take a quick little break here. Uh, when we come back, we have four stand-up comics in a cage death match between Twitter and podcasts. Please stay with us. Uh, we'll be right back. All right. Welcome back to the Denver Diatribe. Uh, listeners, if you ever want to share a news story with us, rant about something we said, or shower us with gifts of foam windscreens and saltwater taffy, please leave a comment on denverdiatribe.com or like us on Facebook or drop a line at 720-282-YELL. Is everybody ready for round two? Woo! In this silly modern world, comics are expected to be their own agents and managers pimping themselves around on Twitter where anyone in the world can practice their one-liners. Meanwhile, the still new world of podcasting, once the exclusive medium of tech geeks and NPR, has been infected by stand-up comics who use a medium to promote themselves and practice their craft. But which is best? Uh, let's have our, let's uh, introduce our guests and find out. First up, we have Team Twitter. 
One of the busiest comedy uh, producer, writer, former blah, 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 blah. He's, what? Who wrote this? You wrote this yourself, didn't you? All right. Uh, comedy producer, performer, writers in Denver. Our first guest produces the Grapes of Rad comedy show every month at the Gothic Theater. He also produced and performed in T.J. Miller's music video, Denver, with Laugh Tracks on Nick's Brothers, which premiered at Red Rocks in July and can now be found hoard around on YouTube and Funny or Die. Please welcome Andy Jewett. Thanks for having us, Ron. Our next guest is a Massachusetts native who moved to Los Angeles and has been turning heads just a few years into his stand-up career. He killed two nights ago on this same stage and is one of the few people in the world who knows exactly how Rob Reiner likes his latte. Please welcome Charlie Nadler. Thanks, Denver. Thanks, Diatribe. Good to does, be here. Does Rob Reiner actually like lattes? I just threw that uh, in there. Yeah, he doesn't really drink that much of them, though. Like, he'll just drink, like, a little bit and just a little taste, you know? I'm so disappointed. Yeah. And now for Team Podcast. This Denver-based comedian has made waves at the third first-ever comedy competition and the Bridgetown Comedy Festival. He hosts the crowd-pleasing monthly Arguments and Grievances comedy debate series, which was the inspiration for this, uh, at Denver, uh, Denver's Vine Street Pub, and he co-hosts the podcast podcast these things matter please welcome kevin o'brien thank you i wish i was in the bridgetown comedy festival i was not in the bridgetown comedy festival oh we gotta talk i wouldn't to call it out but i just love that comedy festival so much and it broke my heart that i didn't get into it that you rebroke my heart by breaking <laughs> up and saying that i was in it ladies and gentlemen i'd like to blame our co-host joel warner who wrote the bios <laughs> i have been in the uh the Grant County Comedy Festival. Grant County. Yeah. Uh, that's what I meant. Bridgetown. Grant, Nebraska. Grand County. There was eight people there and me. It was you a did, great, great, American great comedy festival. Yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm now as red as my shirt is orange. Based in Los Angeles, our final guest has trained with the likes of Upright Citizens Brigade, Second City, and I.O. She's known for the Mo Show, although we hear she's doing some other stuff. And we, a weekly one-hour show combining sketch, stand-up, and video comedy. And circus acts? Yeah. 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 And he, uh, she's also the host of the Women Aren't Funny podcast. Please welcome Mo Welch. Thank you. Thank you, world. Thank you. <laughs> Calm down. All right, I'm gonna let uh, I'm gonna let Team Twitter start start us off. Uh, Team Twitter, give us some opening statements on why Twitter is superior to podcasting. Well, I think I think uh, there's a lot that comes to mind right away, but we'll uh, we'll do it at our own pace, Ron. So you don't need to just immediately task us with <laughs> opening. Uh, <laughs> eloquently and quickly. Um, no, okay, I, wrap it up. You have thirty seconds. At least, seconds. At least, at least you got your credit. You right. have thirty seconds to get your opening statements. What? <laughs> quiet down. Um, no, um, I've had a lot more time to be on other podcasts uh, since I stopped doing a different podcast. Um, we did uh, about eighty episodes of a show called the Chuck Roy Show, and since we stopped that, um, had a lot of time to do other things. Uh, tweet, tweeting is an effortless and free item happens quickly and you can reach out to anybody uh charlie and i just uh actually met this morning technically but we feel like a couple of old gentlemen on the porch sipping moonshine playing the ring game and rocking chairs uh since yeah. the last decade together just because i follow him on twitter yeah i mean i follow I enjoy charlie yeah i enjoy I'm, him i know you better than most cousins of mine thanks to just following you on twitter for the last three days i mean yeah. It's, it's incredible. I mean, I scheduled some tweets right now. I'm just sitting here, and their tweets just dropping about this podcast right now. Did you guys drop any podcasts? 
while you're on this podcast. <laughs> I did. I, yeah. yes. uh, I did. Actually, I was at the airport earlier, and I did record a podcast while waiting for the flight. No big deal. It's an hour and a half. You know, what was interesting, you know what was interesting about your flight, though, was that you tweeted about being in the middle seat, and I knew that the minute that it happened. And this podcast is going to come out with Pony Express-like speed in about <laughs> a week from now, sort of like print. Yes, and every, the, the two people on the sides of me are both on this podcast that I just talked about that's an hour and a half long. That's They're true. Two, two older women, and they were both fart machines. Guys, I'm not classy. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, classy. Team Podcast, let's give you a chance to, to make your opening statements. What do you got to say about podcasts? Why are they superior to Twitter? You can get into being specific for comics or just in general. Why are podcasts a superior medium? Well... In my opinion, I am actually both on Twitter and I do have a podcast that we occasionally run in Skid Row in L.A. Um, this is just a plug for my podcast, right? This whole thing? Okay. <laughs> yeah, um, I think that uh, podcasts are actually great for a comic because it, if someone listens to it, they're like, oh, this is what this person is about. Like, You can get a sense of their personality more. I think that's... Um, at least for me, that seems to be something that's like super interesting to me. Also, you can bring on people that you probably wouldn't meet. Like you'd probably have to wait after a show to say hello to them or get a picture with them. But you can ask them to be on your podcast, and they don't know if it's good or not. You know, <laughs> they'll come on. Right, and so here you are, know them. sitting at this table with us right now. Beautiful. You fell for it as well. So this is also one of the things I like about podcasting. Absolutely, yeah. Kevin. How about you? I would say that there's more artistry in podcasts than there are in Twitter. I have a tough time believing that a medium where grammatical errors are not only part of it but encouraged is being <laughs> uh, is something that's good and engaging, uh, and also. I've been doing a podcast for a while, and the thing with that is, like, people don't know what I look like, so even if I did just have, like, some hot chick that was on there, we wouldn't get 20,000 followers in, like, four <laughs> hours like you do on Twitter. Like, there's a, like, Twitter, you look at people that have the biggest followers, it's women that, like, sort of show their boobs and then tweet about farting, and that's what gets the biggest <laughs> followers. Meanwhile, that's I'm there killing teammate. it with my one-liners, and I got 300 followers, so... I'm a little bitter, I guess. That's I'm right. changing my avatar to, avatar to someone else's photo on Twitter now. It's <laughs> just going to be so boobs. It's going to be boobs. Lift them all, up. All my textures say boobs. Yeah. Now, now we gotta, i got to ask the question. You know, there is this difference in volume. Uh, is, it, is that a factor for folks? If you're, trying to, if you're a com comedian and you're out there and you're trying to, okay, i got to promote myself, i got to make myself known, podcasting has become this really big thing, but so has Twitter. Why? You, you, so, Andy, you're arguing that Twitter is for lazy people. Um, well, or for people that just don't have the time to sit down and talk into a microphone. Well, to quote Kevin O'Brien, uh, at Kevin O'Brien, oh. April 29th, um, Think he you did research? I th I, oh yeah. I, th I think I think he once said Twitter is literary porn, which for Charlie and I, when we were discussing it, was perfect. That's a good line. Thanks for reminding than, me of that. I'm pretty than funny. A concise, under 140 characters, well under 140 characters, by the way. Concise sentence about combining critical thought and hardcore fucking. I think Kevin wrapped it up real well, which... Uh, yeah, that porn... That Twitter is literary porn. Like, that's why like, Twitter sucks. You just made my point for me. Well, <laughs> like, that, you're presupposing that porn has no merit, Kevin. Square. Not, not in art. <laughs> not in art. There is not. Kevin. Yeah, like, you can jerk off to your Twitter now because there's so many porn stars on there. 
That's what it literally is porn. Kev, well, that, Kevin, real quick, I just yeah. want to say I read all 1,936 of your tweets this weekend ready for the podcast. And I mean, if Twitter sucks, does that just mean you just really love sucking? Well, my question to you would be, is Rob Reiner that slow during this time of year that you have all that time to read all 1,900 and however many tweets I've tweeted? You know what's interesting, Kevin, is... Uh, your co-host on the incredible podcast. Let's give it up for these things matter, guys. It's yeah, podcast. these things matter. Okay, with Taylor Condon and Which your Kevin latest O'Brien. episode it's was a- recorded at the bowling alley on Thursday night. Is that correct? We're working on it right now. Yeah, we'll working on it right on now. Tuesday. Yes. Well, I, I, th- I do think it's interesting that your co-host once tw- tweeted, like many of us at different times, "Hey, I've got some extra time. Uh, my boss is away. Does anyone know of any good podcasts?" So, on Twitter, the you, the podcast finds you guys. It's a real Mobius strip. A lot of well, benefit, you see, a lot you're of saying Twitter's a conduit to a better medium, is what you're saying? No, I'm saying Twitter is a more efficient version of the same medium. So, no, but here's the question then. then so why are so many stand-up comics starting their own podcasts? Why is it such a big thing for comics? If it's not actually relevant, why do they all keep doing because it? Because they're narcissists. All oh. comics are narcissists. No, no, you're not so. helping yourself. Shut up, shut up. We're talking to the Twitter folks over here. I'm helping you out here. <laughs> <laughs> I think it can be summed up in the symbology of Twitter, as you, many of you are aware. <laughs> the symbology of Twitter? <laughs> You've been on Twitter so long, you think symbology is a you word. You've got to peel it back. <laughs> Kev, you got to want to peel it back, okay? <laughs> there's, there's a bird that signifies Twitter, like a Nike swoosh or the cross of Jesus. Uh, podcasts have none such a symbol. Uh, the closest thing I can think of, if you kind of wrap these four mics in a snake, might be a swastika. Something to think about. <laughs> Thanks for what? having me on the Nazi what just podcast, happened? Ron. <laughs> what, what? Holocaust what? denier Andy Jewett, everybody. <laughs> well, I don't even, I have no idea what just happened there. All right. No, now here's, here's another question for you. Do you think that some comics actually prefer podcasts because it is more true to the medium that they're accustomed to? You know, you stand up, you're speaking into a microphone. They get to practice their bits on the podcast. Or for those of you that do podcasts, do you, do you sort of stray away from using your material in the podcast for fear of a podcast listener coming to your show and going, oh, I've already heard this before? Um, that was a long like, question. I, I feel like I'm not worried. I have probably negative five fans. So I'm not worried about somebody hearing my podcast, which also has negative five fans, and then being like, oh, you said that on the podcast. I think it's more of you, you get material while you're talking, just like you, you do in real life. You live life, you get material from that. It's the same thing when you're on, when you're on a podcast. You might say something funny, and then you write it down. And, and, I don't like, do hey, my, and I don't do a comedy podcast either. Mine's like a pop culture podcast, so there isn't too much overlap. Like, I'm not going to come up with a bit about listening to Weezer in, like, in 1998 or something like Good, that. Good, because I already have three bits I know, that's it. what I'm saying. I've, I've already seen enough Weezer jokes. So, like, if I make it on my podcast, if I make a joke on my podcast, it's just there for that show. You know, I'm not, I'm not going through, like, my old material and, like, rehashing it while I'm interviewing somebody. Have, have any of you, either through Twitter or through your podcast, uh, receive new work or ha- receive new fans, that sort of thing, where people are reaching out to you through any of those mediums? I uh, have chosen not to have a podcast. I think it just would be a waste of my time, so I, I've been tweeting a lot. Um, I mean, I used to get into, tw- like, I, I've listened to a few podcasts for a while, but um, it just became everything I did. I had to drop out of school. I gained, like, 80 pounds. I was just listening to podcasts all the time, <laughs> and nothing really came out of it. So... 
I mean, I'm, I really didn't answer your question just there, but I kind of just wanted to get that little keynote in about how. So you're saying podcast is the cause of obesity in America? For me, for me, it was. I don't want to make that generalization for America, but if you take me and people like me, yes, I do. Well, it's like a social medical alert bracelet. Anytime Charlie has onset diabetes, we know immediately gout, whatever it is, it's immediately out there. Hey, look, Carrot Top died. That didn't happen, but it could if it was immediate. I oh, my God, the, I got the, really the upset that for his, a second. I was like, oh, no, not Carrot Top. <laughs> the minute that his anabolic, you know, laced body withered away, we would know. He would poop his last poop instant. Oh, my God, did you hear Carrot Top died? Yeah, well, but you know what would be better? That podcast really? where they did a career retrospective about Carrot Top. That's, <laughs> I can't wait for Mark Maron to do a heartfelt tribute to Carrot Top on his podcast. That'll be That's way better than a Twitter alert. The point is that we can dispose of Carrot Top immediately without the nonsense of masturbating through a podcast for 45 minutes. We can just know and then move on. Wait, why are you jerking off while listening to a podcast? <laughs> How did that become the assumption all of a sudden? It's just a bit of wordplay, Kevin. I'm not really lubing up. <laughs> what? I'm just enjoying the day. Hey, Ron, do you mind if I just ask one quick question? About, yeah, you can ask questions. Yes, I, let's, I a, let's begin the rebuttals or the cross examination. I have you a will. quick Please. question for Mo Welch here. So, Mo, on uh, July 27th, you tweeted Dear Twitter, let me know when starter jackets and overalls with one strap down are trending so I can be popular again. Love, Mo. <laughs> I just want to talk about your relationship with popularity and Twitter and how that affects your daily life. Uh, thanks so much for bringing that up um, because I never got a starter jacket. And so I feel like Twitter was a great place to say, hey, guys, I'm still pissed about this starter jacket. All right, fine. I like Twitter, too. I don't know what a debate is. I just came in here like, I'm Charles Barkley. Should I talk shit? I don't know. Like, <laughs> I don't know. I've never Mo been part of Mo actually asked beforehand oh, if we were like talking about basketball field. today. <laughs> you know, what, one of my favorite moments in Twitter history was uh, a few months back, uh, Ron, when you guys started the hashtag Denver Dares, and I became more aware of your actual podcast and during that time, you received an incredible spike in new followers. Not long after that, I was on your show for the first time. The, this is true. Not, not specifically related, but definitely uh, an just, interesting point that Denver Diatribe is, is hot in podcasting and in Twitter. So thanks for supporting us in that way. Something to think about. Appreciate it. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, it's a tough call. I mean, really, let's, let's take away the teams for a moment and, and just ask the question. Do you really think, is podcasting worth it for comedians? Uh, I mean, it depends what the podcast is. I mean, there's going to be shitty podcasts that comics do just the same way there's going to be shitty Twitter handles or shitty open mics or whatever. It depends how good the comic is, how much vision they have with their podcast as well. I think a lot of comedians think just because they think they're funny when they're bullshitting at a diner at 3 o'clock in the morning, that'll translate to a good show. But like I said earlier on, like you need to have a vision of what it is that you're trying to accomplish with your podcast. And that... I think is the most important thing. Mo, how about you? Um, I think with podcasts, it does it does help. Specifically with me, it's definitely helped. Um, I don't. I've never listened to one of my podcasts. I'm going to be honest. Like I've never even re-listened to a you. podcast. But I think it is a great way to. It's a great way to meet people. Like I mean, that sounds so like I. I want to be popular, but I do and. <laughs> And I think that I think it's a great way. Like I would have never met Bob Odenkirk if we weren't like, "Hey, come on our podcast, name dropper." And I feel like um, 
You should see the jealousy in my eyes right now. I, I like, want Bob Odenkirk on my podcast. Yeah, so it's bad true. Enough. Like he wouldn't just talk to me. I wouldn't be like, "Hey, Bob, like meet me, meet me at a coffee shop." Like he doesn't know who I am. But but if you if you're like, "Hey, come on this live show," and he did, you know, like I wouldn't know him. We don't know each other. Like it's not like he t- we talk every day. It's like, <laughs> okay, are we dating? Yes, we're dating. <laughs> this is what you guys want to know. Yes, we Lucky. are. <laughs> So, uh, Andy, I have um, I, I take issue with something that you said, which okay. is that Twitter is effortless. Um, and, and I kind of get where you're coming from with that because you could just tweet whatever the fuck you want, and you know, if you're whatever you're doing for the day. But especially for comedians, it seems like your tweet like there's so much maintenance to it. I mean, that's, just that's being true. on Twitter, like it 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 can't really be that effortless, is it? No, I mean you can get. I mean. The, the pressure to write jokes or be funny or get information out that people want all the time can, you know, be overwhelming in a busy week, and I get that. But at the same time, you know, you know, unless I'm on a treadmill, I'm not listening to a lot of podcasts. You know what I'm saying? And I think we all know that I'm not on a treadmill very much. <laughs> Nor is anyone else. <laughs> right. uh, but uh, this is the United States, last time I checked. Uh, so more people eat corn than caviar, guys. Jump on Twitter. Get it in. Get it out. Process it. You don't need a microphone or thousands of dollars. Charlie, how about you? Well, yeah, Andy and I were talking, too, before, uh, before this about how with Twitter, too, you can delete bad tweets. That yeah. are, and, you, you know, a podcast, you put it out, maybe it's not too good. People download it. You can't, like, go into their computers and upload that podcast back where you're not funny. And yeah, but you can just like not you. put up the bad podcast. Well, but in the time that <laughs> yeah, we... What do you... Yeah, there's the logaria factor with Twitter where you're just sort of shitting out your mouth as much as you possibly can. Which is nice. Hoping that something will be funny. You and then you go through and delete the rest. Is that the purge. best way to do it? Yeah. I, I tweet probably 3,000 times a day and keep maybe two of them. Yeah. Or go back and say, hey, why did I do that? Let's <laughs> go back ratio. in the time machine and get rid of that before anyone else sees it. But podcasts, uh-oh, it's out there. Downloaded. Duplicated and disseminated. We could only wish. (laughs) You're presuming people are downloading them and listening. (laughs) All right. That's true. We're going to turn to the audience real quick. I just want to get, let's let's hear from a round of applause. How many folks are in support of Team Podcast? Thanks. How many folks in support of Team Twitter? Oh. Okay, let's try that again. Can you, you fuck, what are you doing back there? Eating I think bagels, there's so people? few people here, we could just take an actual hand pull. Yeah. <laughs> if, if this weren't a podcast, if this were Twitter, we'd just have you uh, reply by ads. But this is a podcast, so I need you to be really loud. In support of Team Podcast. In support of Team Twitter. Okay, and, uh, that came from one man in the middle. <laughs> that, was, that was one person slapping his thighs. There it was. Yeah, uh, podcasts win. I'm sorry. This oh, is a podcast. Yeah. <laughs> On the podcast. So you do it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I feel fair. like the, la- the last clap always wins, usually. You know, the last clap. The last clap. I was really, I was really worried about that. We did it. Yeah. I don't like your sorry. podcast anymore, Kevin. <laughs> it's okay. Right. I don't like your Twitter handle, Andy. Well, let's... You never did. Thanks so much for coming on, guys. Let's let's go around very quickly. Let's give you a chance to plug whatever you're doing. Andy, can we start with you on the end? Sure. I'd like to start off by plugging my Twitter handle at Andy Jewett, uh, <laughs> and uh, also on Facebook because you got to have everything. Uh, but uh, no, Grapes of Rad is every second Thursday, except when it gets canceled or moved uh, at the Gothic Theater um, of the month, and uh, on I think Abby Jordan's show, The Finger, next month, and. 
um, just dancing shirtless around town a lot of the time. So awesome, nice. See me wherever I am. Charlie, how about you? I'll plug my Twitter, of course, at Charlie Go Nadler. And uh, I don't have a podcast. This is the first one I've ever been on. Nothing to plug there. Um, <laughs> I really am not that important. So you can, I mean, there's like 100 people following me on Twitter. It's a slow movement. But uh, you can join it, and that's it. That's all I have. And I'm, you know, here now. So I'll plug that. All right. Mo? Uh, WomenAren'tFunnyPod.com is the website. We have a live show coming up um, in L.A. with Dimitri Martin. Name dropper. Name dropper. Um, we're dating as well, and that's going to be on September 9th. Um, I don't know. That's it. Like seriously, I just I'm, I'm at my house like every day, just <laughs> fucking crying on my day bed I sleep in at night. Um, that's it. KevinO'Brien.com. <laughs> <laughs> and, and Kevin. Uh, my podcast is These Things Matter, and we're on Facebook, Tumblr, Twitter, all that stuff. And I'm also going to be uh, performing, and we'll be doing a live podcast at the Too Much Funstable at the end of this month. It's an awesome, fun comedy art festival that's going to be taking place uh, the 23rd through the 26th, Thursday through Sunday, all around town. And uh, just look that up. Hit it up in Google. Find Gentleman's Club. We're putting that on. It's going to be awesome. Perfect. All right. Well, let's give our uh, comedians another round of applause, everybody. <laughs> all right. It's time for debate number three, comedy films versus stand-up comedy. I'm going to ask Kevin O'Brien to stick around because uh, right. uh, this final debate is going to follow the exact same format as his Sunday night show uh, at the Vine Street Pub. And we're going to ask Charlie to stick around because he's going to be debating in support of uh, stand-up comics. And then we're going to bring back Mr. Sid Pink, who's going to debate in support of comedy films. So while we're waiting for Sid to, uh, to hobble his way back up onto the stage, Kevin, could you give us a quick rundown of how this is going to work? Uh, so the debate format, if you uh, had friends and a girlfriend in high school, you probably are not familiar with uh, the debate team format. There will be an opening statement that each uh, team will be willing to give. And then that... Wait till you get on the mic, Sid. Uh, and then after the opening statement, we will have a rebuttal. And then I believe you guys are going to be picking the winner. That's uh, There we go. All right. You you're just going against one. No, he's just he's just helping moderate. I'm, I'm helping moderate. Just helping moderate, and we're gonna let we're gonna let uh, comedy uh, stand up comedy go first. So Charlie, help yourself. You got right. you've got one minute, right? How, how long do they have? How much time do you give them at uh, Vine Street? Uh, as much time as they really until want. until, it, it, until you I, I have a game. ring bell there, so if it's big... not if it's not going well, I just hit the ring bell like ding ding. <laughs> so why don't we just let him go until he finishes his point? But if it's not going well, I'll just go ding ding. How about that? And it, Perfect. It, okay, and I'll, right. I'll do the I'll I'll be the bell and you be the moderator. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Good luck. All right, well, I mean, this is a pretty cut-and-dry case here, but uh, stand-up comedy is just incredible because it's a creative form. You just can do anything you want. Something happens, let's say, you know, some girl, let's say, let's call her, you know, Lisa, dumps you, takes the dog. You know, it's a really sad story. You're heartbroken. You need a cathartic type of situation to get over it. You can write jokes about it and perform it. 
that night. But if you want to make a movie about that, you got to cast the dog, you know, and that's terrible. Then, you know, you got to get PETA on board because they have all these regulations that can take a lot of paperwork. You know, it's a labradoodle, so it's a big dog search. Um, there's just, you know, you got to get the right makeup person. If, if the makeup person's not good, then your movie's about clowns instead of people. Uh, you got to rent the location. Let's say she broke up with you at a royal palace. You got to rent a royal palace. You're going into credit card debt just to tell this story about your girlfriend leaving you and taking the dog. The dog craps all over the palace. You lose your security deposit. You go into more credit card debt. You got to have craft service. You got to have craft service for the dog. Um, I mean, it's just a nightmare to get all these people together. With stand-up, it's you and you get it done, or you don't get it done, but you blame yourself if you don't get it done. And that's my conclusion around one. Ding, ding, ding. ding. Yeah, there, we go. there we go. We got it. Yeah. Nice job, Ron. <laughs> Thanks, let's, Charlie. Let's harmonize next time. Ding, Can we harmonize? Ding. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Thank you, Charlie. For uh, I see you have notes, and you also uh, made my point exactly, so I'll stand down. It takes infinitely more effort to put something into a video format than it does to go up and tell a few jokes. Yes, I agree. And hence, a lot more skin in the game, a lot more dire, and takes a lot more talent to pull off. <clears throat> also, that shit lives forever. You go up, now, I'm not a stand-up person, but I do uh, a lot of master of ceremonies and, you know, you can make caca in the sleep place you know, and people are like, oh, get off, which happens a lot to me. But then it's done. And you're like, well, fuck it. And I'm, I'm out. I'm going to put a bunch of blow cane in my skull as I can. But you make a video. Yeah, that's pretty evident, Sid. Thank you. <laughs> Valanche. Then you make a video, a sketch. You put it out there, and this was something that was mentioned in the podcast thing. Like, you can't take that shit back. I mean... It lives or dies, and you got to stand behind it. You, you don't have any... You know, live, you can be like, oh, that joke fucking tanked. It's out. But you don't know. When you're shooting, you're like, we think this is funny. We think. We trust ourselves. You make it. You show it to a few people, and you're like, well, we could recut it. We could tweak it. But you have to be a lot more confident in what you're doing to deliver that because you don't have that immediate response. Ding, ding. ding. <laughs> hey, we got it. <laughs> Okay, back to Charlie. All right. Well, you say you MC, but I hate to bring Carrot Top back into this, but I'm going to go a little Carrot Top on the podcast. I got a little thing here. (laughs) This is my favorite picture in the universe, and it's a picture of Sid Pink doing stand-up comedy. You're being that very me. generous. I was hosting the no, wedding. Hold it over here so it's I can not, describe it. It's not. Don't That's listen me. to him. Don't I listen to him. I was doing the vows no. for somebody's wedding. No. The, hold on. Yes. This is from, this is from the comedy <laughs> store three weeks ago. Charlie. He killed. He killed. He was incredible. He doesn't right, Charlie, want to talk to Charlie, me. hold it over here so I can describe it. To li- so we got, yeah, we got Sid. He's in a white <laughs> Elvis jacket with a, a nice brooch. And and looks like some rhinestones. And he's, he's wearing his, twenty five rings. Like me. <laughs> he is wearing twenty five rings five on rings his fourteen on each fingers. Finger. Yep. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> he's got a ring on his nose as well. He's 
Looking quite flashy. <sighs> all right. So, so okay. So you, you brought a picture to the debate. I've never seen this done before. By, by all means, continue. Which is great for an audio debate to bring a photo for. <laughs> and, and I agree. When that I first, picture is on my Facebook, what, no, so go look no, for it. I, we're not Facebook friends. How would I have gotten that picture? <laughs> I was, I'm telling the podcast listener. Look, I get it, Sid. When I got into stand-up, I kept it on the DL, too, because I wanted to get my act together. I wanted to like make sure that my jokes would work. So, I, look, this should be the time that you tell people that you're, you're killing it right now in stand-up. You're doing a great job. And this was a great show, and I love this picture. But whatever. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, look, I get it. It takes a lot of hard work, and I'm, I'm sure it's, you know, you know what you're doing, and it's great, but... There's a lot of people that can, can screw up. And I just, you know, I just think that it's just when I think about doing creative things, making a movie makes my head spin. Um, I mean, the thing is, like, you know, I consider filmmaking is like plan B, like the morning after pill. Like, it bails you out after literally thousands of screw ups, you know? You can just, like, you know, mess up the take, you get another one. Did you, know? you just compare stand-up well, comedy to the morning well, after pill? No, no, filmmaking. Don't so, ring the oh, bell oh, on a man stand who's up, working okay, on Stand-up comedy is like the rhythm method, a.k.a. pull and pray. <laughs> you get one shot at it, and you can easily screw it up. But if you perfect it, you're an instant legend. <laughs> I've cheerfully withdrawn. I stand I just, down. And I just got one more before the bell. Also, stand-up comedy is... Oh! I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Stand-up's more forgiving than filmmaking, because if you steal movies, you can get up to four years in prison. But if you steal jokes, you can get up to four seasons on Comedy Central. Touche. Oh. <laughs> ding, ding. ding, Let's ding. stop right there. All right. Nicely <laughs> 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 done. I mean, yeah, that deserves... I applaud you, sir. Gentlemen. I applaud you. Well... I guess it is time to confess about my secret stand-up career. What's the deal with fun-sized candy bars? That's actually a fun What's fun joke about a one-inch candy bar? Give me an eight-foot candy bar. That's fun. Give me a candy bar shaped like a race car. That's fun. One inch, that's like a punished candy bar. See? That's how stand-up goes. That's called <laughs> fucking blows. I'm a stand-up. This is how stand-up goes. Hey, Sid, what's the deal with your 25 rings on your hand? <laughs> I can't cruise on my looks like you, you Irish bastard. <laughs> All right, he thinks I'm handsome. I know you're handsome. That's why I sat all the way over here. All right. You want to loan me that spoon? one of these, like, oh, yeah. Well, Let's now you made it awkward for everybody, Sid. All right. Uh, welcome to the cheap seats. <laughs> I don't know what that means. What was <laughs> any, that's, any clothes? That's why I call That's why I throw it in. It's just a... Any closing comments for film? In support well, of film? Well, A, let's not call it film, because no one shot on film for a long time. And I'm old enough to know, at 223 years, when we used to have to shoot on film, and it blows. Um, yes, the, and which is this. I think both are admirable, and they both have huge risk. And it does take, and, I, and this is serious, a lot more personal, direct risk to do stand-up, because you have to go out and tell the breakup story to people and... Tell your fun-sized candy bar joke and no one laughs and you're like, mother, fuck, man, fuck this shit. Because, you know, you're probably working for free. You did, I mean, it's, yes, I'm saying, but then you know, like right, the, the, the immediacy factor, you're like, oh, well, I, that's out. No one laughed and I'm cutting it. When you do a sketch or a, a film, you know, you, you have the concept, you, you work it out, 
you film it, you cut it, you put it out there, and you just have to hope. And it's a lot because you don't have that immediate response or anything visceral. You're just like, so so you have that risk of like, well, you hope people like it, and it exists forever. Whereas your joke is, you know, ephemeral. Uh, which is not a hormone. It means uh, disposable paper goods, but in this case, it's uh, <laughs> audio. <laughs> it just takes a lot more bravery. Ding, ding. Ding, ding. <laughs> All right. All right. All right. We're going to turn now to the audience and uh, see what folks think. In support of comedy film and Sid Pink, how many folks we have for comedy film? How many the folks Nix brothers didn't even cheer for that shit, and that's all they do. <laughs> and how many Thanks folks? Thanks a lot. And how many folks in support of stand-up comedy? That was really close. That was actually. Who uh, thinks both are? For yeah, who, who loves losers? both? Let's be honest. <laughs> hey! All right. Since we're Denver, everybody wins. Hey! <laughs> Everybody, let's make Good love. Good thing you brought all those participation trophies <laughs> earlier today. No, right? Okay. All right. Well, folks, what we're going to do now is uh, at the end of every podcast, we do something called Love and Hate, where we usually with our guests, we go around and we give them an opportunity to very quickly love or hate on something that they uh, want to talk about related to Denver, related to whatever, as big as small as they want. Anybody at the table want to start with a love and hate? Oh, I'll start. Okay. I love uh, Denver, being a comedian here. I love the Laugh Track Comedy Festival. This has been so much fun this week. I love the Yay. Knicks brothers. My lost brothers. Uh, I hate uh, the thing that I've consistently hated as a stand-up comedian, and I will probably consistently hate for the rest of my life, is people who aren't funny trying to tell me how to be funny, <laughs> or uh, people that aren't comedians trying to give me notes on how to be a comedian. That's my n number one. I'll hate that for the rest of my life. <laughs> All right. Uh, Charlie, you got a love or hate? Yeah, I've just got a love. I love films about stand-up comics who tweet about podcasts. <laughs> 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 All right. <laughs> perfect. And, and then post it on YouTube. Yeah. yeah perfect. All right, Sid, you got a love or a hate? Sure. I love how easy it is to hate everything. <laughs> All right. Perfect. And I'm I'm actually gonna I'm gonna love on the Denver Zoo's newest additions. They have two Somali wild asses, and I I went specifically last night to see them, and they weren't exactly what I expected, but they were still just lovely. So Somali wild asses at the Denver Zoo, folks, go check them out. Well, that's all the love and hate we have for this week. Uh, if you'd like to share a little of your own love and hate, please leave us a brief message at seven two zero two eight two yell. That's seven two zero two eight two nine three five five. Our theme music is by T.J. Miller from his Extended Play EP, and our web hosting is provided by BlueChannel.com. For more information about Denver Diatribe or any of our guests, check out our website, DenverDiatribe.com, or search for Denver Diatribe on Twitter or Facebook. A uh, big shout-out to the Knicks Brothers and Laugh Track Comedy Festival for having us. I'm Ron Doyle on behalf of my co-hosts. Thanks for listening. Check your calendar. Denver. Denver.